So uh, one of the things that we said last week is that we want to honor whatever it is that we've lost best by grieving well. And we said we're going to maintain an open heart. So waves of grief hit us. We stop. We take a deep breath. We keep our heart open. And that's the key is we maintain an open heart and we grieve. The soundbite that we used last week, we're going to actually stay in this week. I'm going to read it again, and then I'm going to very quickly recap, and we're going to walk through this. This passage is Matthew 8, 22. It says, but Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Now, the background of this, and again, I'm not going to get into the whole background because I spoke more about it last week, but the background is essentially this. Jesus has been traveling around the region performing miracles, and these two individuals, these two men, make this declaration that they want to follow Jesus. And they had been loosely following him, which means they were in, you know, he would show up somewhere, they would show up, but they weren't really closely following him. In fact, one of the men said, Jesus, I'll follow you like right now. Uh, with, I'll just leave everything. And the problem with that was that the man was assuming that Jesus was going to establish his own kingdom and Jesus was going to be king. And so if you knew someone right now that you were sitting next to or that you're listening to this with and they were going to be the king of their own nation, you would want to stay in relationship with them as close as possible because maybe you could get some of the comforts of the king. And in this case, this man was thinking about wealth and status. And Jesus said, I have no comforts. And the second man really was saying, Jesus, I want to follow you, but I want to do it when it's convenient for me. I need to go and I need to you know, deal with my father. And this is a key to understanding this is that the man's father had not yet died, but he was merely saying, it's inevitable that my father is going to pass away. And at the point that he does, who knows when in the future, then I'll come and I'll follow you. And that was his convenience. So Jesus simply is telling these two that following me is neither comfortable nor convenient. In fact, what I would want you to do in Luke 14, Jesus says, I want you to count the cost of following me faithfully. Now, the shakedown is the lie. So last week, I presented to you that the, the misunderstanding and the lie that we might believe is Jesus is one super insensitive guy. He basically tells this guy, like, hey, let your family deal with, you know, itself. And sorry that someone close to you has passed away. And this seems very insensitive. But we've already established the fact that the man wasn't speaking about something that had happened, but was inevitably going to happen. And we hear this sometimes with a set of ears that says, when it comes to being faithful, like having faith in Jesus, it would seem like lack of faith if we actually were grieving. So the language of grief is you need to get over it. But we established last week that grief isn't get over it, it's to get on with it. It isn't to move on from it but to move forward in it. Now I'm going to give you a description of grief so that we're all on the same page because really grief is a response to a loss. Um, In fact, in this case, 
It comes from what the word is a calamity. This is something that's an event that causes great uh, sudden damage or distress. But let me give you just a very simple definition. Grief is the result of experiencing loss, separation, or significant change. And this is important for us to know because I think we all experience loss on a daily basis in some way. I will say light losses and heavy losses. In life, I've learned that the heavy losses are less frequent. And the light losses occur almost daily. But we've all lost something. And specifically, the reason I wanted to talk about grief, because in the last 18 months, I think we have really been hit with high levels of grief. And last week, what I heard so much from people is, I didn't know. Thank you, Pat. I didn't know that I was grieving. And sometimes it's not obvious. And so what I talked about last week was grief guides us. Its purpose is to guide us toward truth and toward honesty. Today, we're going to discover how to get on with grief by allowing grief's process to bring growth and clarity. So number one, grief's process brings growth. Now, I'm going to just give us a truth that we can hold on to and we can start out with this morning. And this is the truth, that grief itself is an instinctual healing process in which you grow around. I'm presenting to you the idea that this instinctual process that you grow around makes you bigger. It changes you. It was designed to. And I want you to know this morning that you either are wrapping yourself around grief or grief has a hold of you. And it's okay. Now let's talk about some just practical things when it comes to grief. Um, I think if you were to look up grief, you're going to find that there's multiple ways that it's described, either in a five stage or a seven stage or a 12 stage. And then there's addendums to the stages and all this other stuff. But it's presented in a very, what seems to be linear process, a linear fashion. And here's some, here's some steps. I'm just going to do the five step idea. Okay. Number one is denial. This is the belief that this really can't be happening. That if you're in grief, that you, this just can't be true. And, and I think this relates. And I, th I think you can understand this clearly. This just can't seem to be true. This isn't happening. Um, number two is anger. This is very, very, very common. In fact, I will tell you, most people will, will act, like manifest outwardly, you're gonna see anger. Anger is um, maybe the language of it is, why is this happening to me? 
Uh, bargaining, this is a fascinating one because we begin to negotiate in that process of grief. We begin to negotiate with what's going on. So we'll say things like, you know, if I, if I just bury my head in work and I just avoid dealing with this, it'll go away. If, if I lost something, I'll just replace that thing immediately and everything will be okay. But the problem is, is we end up getting stuck in grief because we don't deal with the loss of the thing that mattered. And we're quick to think that we can replace something that mattered that significantly to you with something new. And at some point, you're going to have to reconcile the grief to this thing. So bargaining becomes part of this process. Despair is just deep sadness. And then there's this acceptance. And acceptance is where you and I get to the point where we don't necessarily accept the loss, but we accept the new normal. It's important for us to understand that, that it's okay even for you to live in a place where you're like, I'm not accepting, I'm not doing well with the loss, but I'm okay with the new normal. Now, This seems very linear, but I want you to know that grief's process is less linear and it's more of a life practice. And so I want us to shift our minds a little bit to this idea of of grief's process bringing growth through practice. First, let's describe process. Process is simply this, a series of events that produce a result. So you and I might get into a mindset that we think if we just walk through a process, a series of events, and there's, well, Pat said there's five stages. So I'm on stage two. I need to work really hard and perfect stage two so that I can move on to stage three. And that's how we work in life a lot. People present ways for you to make progress. It's linearly through something. But the truth is, is that when it comes to grief, you're going to be feeling angry and in the next two seconds, you're going to be acceptant. And then in five minutes, you're going to be weeping. And then tonight, you're going to be bargaining. And grief has a way of presenting itself as like a schizophrenic, like another self of like person in your brain. And I just want you to know that it's not linear. So that's why I'm going to present it to you as a practice. And a practice is described as this. It's repetition of an activity to develop or improve a skill. So grief's process brings growth when you embrace it as a practice. And we have lost, for the most part in society, uh, the traditional practice of mourning. I will tell you that uh, culturally speaking, I think as, as Americans, we don't mourn traditionally as Americans any longer. So we, I have friends from other cultures that live in American or American, but th- they have cultures that have traditions of mourning and it's powerful. And they have these things they set up and it's it's like this... This time that has no real end, but it's just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in the practice of this. So for us, a couple generations ago, if you had experienced a loss, you would go out in public and you'd be wearing a black armband. We see this in law enforcement at times when 
somebody in law enforcement loses their life and everyone over their badge has a black stripe. And what it would signify two generations ago even is that if, if you and I had experienced the loss and we were in public wearing this black armband, we would be signaling to everybody that we were wrapping our heads and our hearts around grief for whatever period of time that was. And there was the ability to have empathy and compassion and to live life and understand that we're going through something and we're walking with grief. But what we've done is, is we've lost our ability to acknowledge the reality of loss because we no longer practice grief. So we don't do well when we lose something because we don't actually practice the reality of loss. And therefore, without the deep reality of loss, we don't actually have a deep reality of truly living. We lose this for our own lives, but also we lose this for the people's lives around us. We, we hide from our own hurt or hide in our own hurt, but then we hide the other hurts of people from ourselves. And we're walking around right now as a society that just isn't willing to let each other feel the pain of loss and know how to embrace in fact, the number one thing that you can do for somebody, this is scientific actually, there was a study done, the number one thing you can do is hug them. Did you know like the power of, that, that, that hug says so much without saying a word? Because what is there to say? I just don't have the words. And so we, in a way, in our own person, I want you to know something that I want you to wrap yourself around grief as if to hug it because you don't know what to say in the moment. You may not know what to say right now, but I want to encourage you that that's where you grow because practice is where you grow. Now, no fault to my father. I just want to say that up front. Rest his soul in heaven. So I'm not throwing him under the bus while he's not here to defend himself. But when I was a child, maybe you've heard this. If you don't stop crying, I'm going to give you something to cry about. What are we doing? We're indoctrinating ourselves into this idea that grief is not something you're allowed to express, experience, or wrap yourself around in practice. Why does a child cry over something like, there's no use crying over spilled if you don't learn to cry and weep and moan and groan and feel the pain over the light loss of milk, you're never going to be able to, with skill, embrace the practice of grieving the heavy losses. So we don't know how to experience and wrap ourselves around the grief of heavy losses any longer as a society because we have stopped our ability to learn the skill and the practice of grieving the light ones. But what happens is, is that a lot of times you feel or I feel as if we need to show up to this practice of grief in the process perfectly. Rather than just prepared to participate, I want you to know something. 
Grief doesn't demand of you that you show up perfect. Grief just says, I just need you to show up prepared to participate. Why? Because practice is where you grow. Last week I said grief is complex and messy. You're going to walk in a train wreck. That's the point of practice. I love this scripture in Psalm 51:16. You do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. This is the psalmist who wrote this speaking to God. God, you don't desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You, you don't, let me say this, you don't desire the performance that I've perfected in bringing you the thing that's perfectly presentable. You don't want a burnt offering. The sacrifice, God, that you desire is a broken spirit. Is your spirit broken today? That's what God desires. It's not that you and I show up perfect as the sacrifice, perfect in that loss. He just says, would you show up with a broken spirit? Because it's in the brokenness that we show up prepared to participate. And when we don't show up prepared to participate, we may show up. And we show up with a closed off heart that says, I'll I'll do it when I'm perfectly ready. And you and I are never going to be ready to walk through loss. It interrupts us. It takes our breath away. Last week, what did I say? We stop, we grieve. We have to be willing to wrap ourselves around grief while limping still from our loss. If not, that's when we get lost in grief. I'm going to say this again. Practicing grief's process will change you. It's meant to change you. It's okay that it changes you. Practicing grief's process, it grows you. It expands your heart to the reality of loss, but ultimately of truly living. The beauty of life itself. You become bigger. Number two, grief's process brings clarity. I read a story last week in the book of John about Jesus, his friend Martha and Mary, and Martha's brother, Lazarus. I'm going to say Laz for short. I like that. I always change people's names. I've changed your name, perhaps. You just don't know it. I call you something else in my head. It's endearing. It's my way that I just show my affection towards you. You can ask any of my family. I don't call any of my children by their name, so I'm going to call him Laz. My rule. So, thank you. Permission granted. Okay. So what happens? Martha, Laz's sister, shows up. Jesus. Jesus is in another part of the region doing some ministry stuff. He, she shows up. She's like, hey, my, my brother, he's sick. You got to come, Jesus. I, I've seen you do like that miracle stuff. He's sick. I think he's on the edge. You got to come do something. So Jesus is like, okay, I got to finish what I'm doing. I'll get there. 
Well, Lazarus dies before Jesus gets there. Jesus begins traveling back to where Lazarus is at and Martha and Mary. And he's met by Martha and Mary and he realizes that he has indeed died. And Jesus expresses his, his troubled heart and his brokenness. And it showed this picture of Jesus joining us in our grief, but also telling you and I that it's okay because in this very, the shortest scripture in all of the Bible, it says, and Jesus wept. That's what this is about. He was grieving. He was angry. He was expressing all of the signs of grief. And that's where this story picks up. It says, Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Jesus says, roll the stone aside, Jesus had told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up in heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. And then listen to what Jesus says. But I said all this out loud for the sake of all of these people. That Jesus spoke out loud for your sake and for my sake so that we could hear this. So that as we stood, we could hear and that we would be able to believe in him. Now, I, I've done a lot of weddings and I've done a lot of funerals. And it's an honor to do them. And one of the things I want to tell you that I have found time and time and time again when it comes to doing a funeral is that no matter where the individual who has passed away, no matter where the family stands, no matter what has gone on, There's three key things that get thrust to top priority every single time. I call them the three F's. You will see this idea spoken about and embraced about family, friends, and faith. The people that are even far from family will show up Broken relationships, they will still show up. People that haven't seen each other in years will show up, friends. People that are far from God will show up and make statements about how this person is in a better place with God. These three Fs get thrust to the the forefront. And this is what grief's process is bringing clarity to if you allow it. It brings clarity to the weight of the three F's in your life of family, friends, and faith. It, it says these matter most at the end of the day. Not how many hours you worked or how much money or wealth you've amassed or the places you've traveled, but the memories you have of living life to the fullest with the people that you're with today. Have you ever experienced that in a time of deep loss where suddenly all the things that you were stressed out about 10 minutes ago no longer matter? 
and we say things like, why does it take the loss of a life to get us to all think about what really matters, right? This is what we say. And within three months, we're back to the treadmill. We're back to the wheel of, gr- of the grind and we forget about what matters most. And Jesus, in this part that I just read, see, Jesus is showing up as God himself, as the, the faithful one. He's doing it in the context of friendship. And, and there's Martha who is there, established strong in her grief with family. Here's the thing with grief's process, though. It brings clarity and it, and it grounds you in this reality. But I want to tell you something. The enemy will use guilt to shame you. It brings clarity that can ground you in what matters. But oftentimes, one of the first things that happens, and I, kn- I know that I know that I know that I've experienced this and you've experienced this, but you start immediately feeling guilty about all the coulda, shoulda, and wouldas. Okay. I'm with you. but it helps us reorient and rearrange our priorities in the now. Because we still have today. And yes, we're living with the inevitability of tomorrow. But we don't know what tomorrow brings. It says in Proverbs 27 too, don't brag about tomorrow since you don't know what the day will bring. Don't put a bunch on tomorrow. Don't talk about how great tomorrow is going to be. Well, tomorrow is going to be a great day. So I think I'll just push that off until then. We need to live today wrapped around grief, letting it expand our hearts to the reality of loss, but also and equally or more importantly even to the reality of truly living The fullness of what you and I were created for. It gives us the ability to live with clarity and live life with the end in mind. That at the end of the day, I'm going to sit surrounded by my seven daughters and my 5,200 granddaughters. Hey, guess what, guess what I want at the end of my life? Don't, don't, don't park my car next to me and let me spend a few moments with it. Right? I'm going to be desperate to have the people around me, my family and my friends, and to be near Jesus. And we need to live with the end in mind. I'm going to use this word. We need to be reconciled to live life to the fullest in the three F's today. This word reconciled means to restore friendly relations. Here's what happens. I believe that some of us are not living restored and reconciled in our friendly relations, in our family, in our friends, in our faith. 
And if you make the attempt, and if I make the attempt to embrace this process of grief to grow us, but I don't live in a manner that says I'm going to live in a reconciled way, in a restored way, you and I will be stuck in grief and grief will have a hold of us instead of us wrapping ourselves around grief. Part of the clarity and the growth that we get is that you and I have an opportunity today to live reconciled. Why? Because I don't want you to be stuck with grief's claws in you where despair turns to depression. Where anger burrows itself deep in our hearts and turns to bitterness. We're bargaining moves from us just trying to figure out how to move forward in life to avoidance. And we close our hearts off and we just don't grieve. Today, I'm presenting to you that we get back to the practice of grief. That it's a process that we wrap ourselves around. That it will grow you. Inevitably, you will be changed forever. But you, family, friends, faithful ones, you will be bigger. You will have an understanding of the reality of loss, but you will have a deep and powerful understanding on how to embrace the reality of living and living to your full today. It's the most honoring thing you can do to whatever it is that you've lost is to truly live. If you feel comfortable doing so, just close your eyes and one of the things that I want to do first is I just, I want to pray over this idea. If you're feeling guilt or shame in the midst of grief, um, I just want to speak over that prayer over that right now. If that's you, um, you can just really open your heart up to hear this. Um, Lord, I just take authority right now over our hearts. Last week we said we're going to have an open heart. God, it's, it makes us vulnerable, like open and susceptible to hurt. Guilt and shame hurt. 
We need to reconcile this. It's part of the faith. <laughs> and Lord, I just, I take authority right now over the ground that the enemy wants to come and camp in. And I just declare right now, Satan, that you, you don't have any power. You have no authority. You have no right. Lord, I just, I break off guilt and shame. For some of you, you need to hear this, that, that whatever you've lost, if it's a person, if it's something, you know, that's deeply affected you, I just want you to know something. I truly do not believe that whoever it is that you've lost would want you to move on with guilt or shame. Practically speaking, ask this question to yourself. Are you practicing the process of grief? Are you allowing yourself to feel the light losses so that you can have skill developed when the heavy losses come? you to make today. I have a firm belief that you can do anything one time. Or at least that's what I tell myself. I'm going to ask you this week to commit to the reconciliation of one one relationship because I do not want you to get lost in your grief. I don't want you to get stuck in your grief. In fact, I believe that God has the power to bring reconciliation in the midst of grief in a more powerful way. He can use it. For some of you, there's a family member you need to reach out to. And it may not be a massive issue, but I feel like the Lord is saying this morning, don't leave any stone unturned. You don't know what tomorrow brings, but you have today. There's a reason why you struggle so much with that little thing, maybe with that family member. It's because you care. So admit that you care. And the, and the commitment and the challenge today is reach out to one person in either family member, a friend, or in your faith. And I would primarily tell you this, probably the biggest reach that we can make is reaching toward reconciliation and our faith with Jesus. In fact, I would tell you that in terms of priorities, 
do that first and it's gonna make the rest a little bit easier. And it's okay, I, I don't want, some of you, um, when I talked about hiding, it's okay. Listen, society has not done a good job of saying it's okay. And for whatever it means, it's, it's okay. But don't hide, I'm encouraging you, don't hide from your grief. I don't want you stuck. And so Lord, just as we, as we go from here today, if you need prayer, just everyone close their eyes. If you need prayer this morning, the last couple of weeks, we just had some very personal time with people and it's okay. I, 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 want you to, I want you to remember this. If you need prayer, don't hesitate to come forward. If you need prayer right now and your heart is feeling wrecked, come ready to participate. You don't have to come perfectly. To, right now is a great time. If you need prayer, you can start making your way up right now. You can just come forward and say, man, I need prayer. My heart, I'm a mess. This is complex. I have no idea what to do. You can just start making your way forward and just say, yep, that's me. And we're going to live in a family atmosphere that doesn't say quit crying over spilled milk. It's okay. Now, I also want to tell you that there's some individuals who may be around you that are experiencing grief, please be honoring. Approach uh, with a level of sensitivity and be discerning if you should approach at all. But it's okay. We have a team that's going to pray for you if you're in the room. If you're in our online campus, um, in the chat right now, there's a way for you to be able to reach out and, um, and connect with our team, and they can take you offline and pray with you. If you feel more comfortable doing so, you can, you can come up after the service, and our team will still be here. Our ministry team will still be here, and they can pray with you. I just want you to know we're committed to showing up to the practice of grief with you. We're not just committed to game time. We're committed to the practice. It's important. It matters. You matter. So God, go with us today. Give us the strength and the courage to keep our hearts open, although it's hard. But let us be overcome with something in your goodness. God, that you're, you are a good God and you want to meet us. Yeah. Some of you walked in here today and didn't know that you needed to hear this. I said this in the beginning and didn't know that this was going to this was going to shake your heart the way that it is. If that's you, if you feel kind of like this was sudden, like oh wow, this feels sudden. I think you specifically need to to stick around and get some prayer. I just I want to give you that. So Father, guard and protect our hearts as we walk through and wrap our hearts around, wrap ourselves around grief. 
Next week, we're going to walk in and talk about grief's promise. And there is a promise attached to grief. If you know somebody that's grieving, share this with them. Invite them to come. Because it's family, it's a friend, and it's our faith. We need each other and we need Jesus. So make that invitation. Jesus, we thank you in your name. Everyone said amen and amen.